Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Once again, welcome to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Episode 454 on this Tuesday, September 6th, 2022. I hope everybody had a great Labor Day yesterday. want to remind everybody that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. Get ready for a jam-packed show today as I get into just about all the college football games I can handle in a half hour. Going to recap a little bit of the high school action on Friday night, including one of the biggest upsets that I've ever witnessed calling a high school football game. And I'll have time to talk about the U.S. Open, Serena Williams, her legacy, the Braves only a game back from the Mets. I mean, we, we just got a jam-packed show. NFL Week 1 this week. Oh, I cannot wait. Let's go ahead and get the show started. Well, I had a pretty fun Labor Day weekend after calling a high school football game on Friday. Took the family to go see the in-laws and went swimming and got to watch college football on Saturday. Sat down. I watched the Georgia-Oregon game from start to finish. My first takeaway is completely flawless. Seemed like Georgia hasn't skipped a beat. The defending national champions that you thought were going to take a step back because they had 15 players drafted in the NFL seemed like they reloaded. They dominated the 11th ranked team in the country 49-3. You realize Georgia scored a touchdown on their first seven possessions and Stetson Bennett looked flawless. Can we consider him for the Heisman Trophy? Seriously. When are we going to start respecting Stetson Bennett? All these preseason polls that had Bryce Young preseason All-SEC 1 and K.J. Jefferson preseason All-SEC 2 and Hinden Hooker preseason All-SEC 3 and Stetson Bennett didn't even get an honorable mention. He is the best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, right there with Bryce Young. I I know Bryce Young won the Heisman last year. When it comes to decision-making and efficiency and QBR, I don't think there's anybody better than Stetson Bennett. He was the third-ranked quarterback all of last season with the third-highest QBR. And with that performance, I believe that the Georgia Bulldogs should be number one, although they'll give it to Alabama, because Alabama had a pretty good game against Utah State, too, beating them 55 to nothing. But I think that Georgia head and shoulders is above everybody else, and that is including Alabama. I think that Georgia can play with Alabama, and uh, these two teams are going to be the last two teams standing. I know, and right in time for the news broke on Friday about expanding the college football playoff. I do have some thoughts about that as well. But let's get into the games. I'm having a Tuesday show. I did not have a show yesterday. You know, it was Labor Day. I was spending time with the family, and there's just so much stuff to talk about. 
that I want to jam everything in, including the last two college football games to wrap up week one. Last night, Georgia Tech and Clemson in the Chick-fil-A kickoff, and I watched that first quarter, and it was a snooze fest. Clemson couldn't even move the ball, but Georgia Tech was just as bad, the play clock management, and Jeff Collins is done as a coach. I mean, Georgia Tech was unwatchable, and uh, Clemson did pull away because they do have better players, but I don't think that DJ Uyangalele is the answer at quarterback, and uh, maybe, just maybe, Clemson should consider letting the former Central walk-on quarterback, Caleb Nix, start. I think that would be pretty interesting. But Clemson did win the game 41-10, to but I'm not convinced that Clemson is the fourth-best team in the country. Yeah, we'll have the new rankings out later today. And then on Sunday, wow. Boy, are the LSU fans mad at Brian Kelly. First of all, this stuff is going to take time. But the expectations at LSU are so unrealistic. They thought that Brian Kelly was going to leave Notre Dame and come down to LSU and just fix everything overnight. And that is not the case. This program is a mess. But do you realize that LSU won three national championships with three different coaches? So the expectations is that Brian Kelly has to win a national championship at LSU. Otherwise, he's a failure. But the way LSU lost that game on a blocked extra point, 24-23. to First of all, can we give some respect to Florida State? I think that what Mike Norville is doing is actually on the up-and-coming. Scratch that. Not just Florida State, but all the teams in Florida. I mean, college football is better when all the powerhouses are better. Florida won. I mean, that was a very interesting game. Utah blew it. They had a chance to win that game in the last seconds, and Cameron Rising throws a pick in the end zone. But Florida... I honestly feel this year, and I don't, I don't think Florida is going to make it to the college football playoff, but they're going to win some games, and Anthony Richardson is going to be the reason why they win some games. They could possibly beat Tennessee because of Anthony Richardson. They're definitely going to beat Kentucky in the Swamp next week, and uh, later in the week we'll get into the preview of week two and everything. And Boy, it was such a fun college football weekend. Week one that started on Thursday with the backyard brawl, and that was just a fun and exciting game, and then... You know, I watched a little bit of the games at noon. Uh, you had some rain delays, and they kept going on. Texas A&M, and then uh, Auburn. I think that Auburn, even though they beat Mercer, you, you got a quarterback battle there with T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford, but didn't the former Callaway star Tank Bigsby look incredible? I expect, because you know Penn State is down and because LSU lost, I think Auburn is going to start out 5-0, and and that's exactly what Brian Harson wants. If you start out 5-0, and I think that Brian Harson keeps his job, even though the schedule gets a little bit tougher. But the big winners over the weekend was the SEC, except LSU. 14-1, including Vanderbilt winning. But you look at the landscape of college football, this whole 12 playoff team, is this really what the fans want? Because I'm happy with just four teams. But if this is what they're going to have in 2024, I believe, a 12 team college football playoff which means that the first four teams that are normally getting into the college football playoff would have buys number five would play number 12 number six would play 11 and so on and then you would have eight teams left so you're looking at a total of possibly playing four games if you are a five seed or higher if you're number one seed through a number four seed there's a chance you might play three games 
And then uh, do the bowls come into consideration? Or are the semifinal games going to be all the major bowls? And then that first round of the college football playoffs, is it going to be in the home stadiums? Also, if you are a conference champion, does that guarantee you one of the top six seeds? And do the at-large bids happen outside of the six seeds? What about the final college football rankings? I mean, looking at the rankings right now, I, I just just going to have a little fun with this. Because, you know, let's say the college football playoff happened this year. And so the final rankings would be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. They would get the buys. Notre Dame would be the number five seed taking on Oklahoma State, the 12 seed. The six seed would be Texas A&M taking on Oregon, the 11 seed. Utah is the number seven seed taking on Baylor, the 10 seed. And then Michigan taking on Oklahoma, eight and nine. Which, with the rankings today, I believe you know, Utah and Oregon are going to go down. Notre Dame is going to drop a little bit. So we'll, we'll see what the rankings look like later on today. I kind of have some mixed emotions about the college football playoff. That's all. I mean, it's okay to embrace change. And when you look at it and it finally happens, you're like, okay, I can actually live with this. All right, but here is my rant and I'm not, not necessarily a hot sports take because this is actually 100% true. I'm completely disgusted with the attendance of the California college football teams over the weekend. I even took screenshots and I shared it on my Facebook. The stadium capacities for these teams. First of all, they showed it on Twitter. UCLA should be absolutely disgusted with them. Their stadium, the Rose Bowl was at 31% capacity. They were showing just empty seat after empty seat. Cal had a half-full stadium. Stanford had a half-full stadium. USC had about 78% capacity. I would think with the debut of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams that that place would sell out because if anybody cares about college football in California, it's USC, right? The bottom line is California does not care about college football. And I could say that bold statement because I lived in California I've lived in California all the way up until age 26 when I moved in 2005. And as much as I love college football and I rooted for Stanford when I was a kid and I rooted for San Jose State, it's an absolute disgrace that they can't even fill their stadiums. I know that people in California have all the excuses in the world. Too many distractions. It's too hot outside. I don't care about college football because all my invested interest is in the NFL and I get that it's okay to like both it's okay to root for the 49ers and also root for Stanford football where were all the fans in the Bay Area that should have rallied around Stanford the past decade when it was dominated by Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw when they were going to BCS games but here I was living in Georgia staying up till 10 30 at night and watching Stanford play football because I'm a Stanford fan and when people ask me, well, what's your favorite college football team? I say Georgia because I live in Georgia. But if you want to go back to my roots, back to the days I was living in California and, and growing up rooting for the San Francisco 49ers, I rooted for Stanford too. But shame on the teams from California. Shame on the Pac-12 for having just a terrible weekend. And this is not good for the brand. It's not good for recruiting. Five-star athletes do not want to play in an empty stadium. As far as UCLA and USC going to the Big 12, Good luck, but you should do better. You should have packed stadiums. But if you ask your average sports fan that lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, when was the last time you seen, I don't know, Stanford and Cal flags 
flying on somebody's car in the San Francisco Bay Area? When was the last time you saw somebody wear a Stanford shirt that didn't go to the school? When was the last time you saw somebody wear Cal memorabilia who didn't go to the school? And little brother in the Bay Area, the school that's called San Jose State that hasn't really done anything in college football, I almost can guarantee you when San Jose State plays Auburn next week, there will not be any San Jose State fans at the Plains. I can almost guarantee you that because the fan base is so minimal, you have to go there, and I don't think that they're going to pay a ticket to fly all the way to Auburn, Alabama to see them get steamrolled down in the Plains. I'm also a San Jose State fan too. I used to live 20 minutes from Spartan Stadium as a kid. And it's just a disgrace that there's not even slight interest in college football in California. And the proof is you could turn on KNBR 680, the sports leader out in San Francisco, California. I listen to KNBR online because that's where I get my 49ers and Giants coverage. They don't talk about Stanford one bit. In fact, the sports talk guy in KNBR, he is a UCLA grad. He'll talk about UCLA more than Stanford. And Stanford's the local team. That is shameful. That is that is just embarrassing. I'm not dissing California. I, I, I loved living there. When I lived there, I loved rooting for the 49ers. I loved rooting for the Giants. In fact, somebody from California who's a sports fan. I'm talking about somebody who likes the 49ers, likes the Giants, likes the Warriors, likes the Sharks. I want to know from you, do you like college football? Would you root for Stanford? Would you root for Cal? If somebody offered you tickets to go see Stanford and Cal, would you go? I'm just curious. All right, we did have plenty of college football to get into, and it, it's hard to go through all the games. I'm just rolling through because there were some really exciting games. NC State almost blew it against East Carolina. I mean, they were playing at home. Mario Cristobal had an incredible debut, putting up 70 points against Bethane Cookman. Arkansas got a big win over Cincinnati. The two games... That were incredible finishes. Houston beating UTSA in triple overtime. I did talk about Florida beating Utah when Utah should have won that game. And then North Carolina and Appalachian State. Wow, what a game. You know, I didn't watch these games, but I was watching highlights. And this is what college football is all about. I love these compelling games. Just North Carolina with a 63-61 to victory. I got to call them out. The service academies. I know with the whole NIL, the transfer portal, I don't know how the service academies are going to be able to compete in college football. Navy loses to an FCS school and Army loses to Coastal Carolina. Wow. That was really shocking. And it's really not their fault. I mean, obviously I'm in the military, so I love the service academies. I think the Army-Navy game is like our Super Bowl when it comes to being in the military. But it is going to be so hard to compete with NIL and the transfer portal. I don't know how the service academies survive. You remember back in the 1920s when the service academies were the powerhouses of college football? I think those days are over. And that, wow, I saw that and I was like completely shocked. So looking at the local teams, Georgia Southern defeats Morgan State 59-7. to You had Auburn beating Mercer 42-16. to and like I said, a big shout-out to Callaway running back Tank Bigsby. 16 carries, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. He's going to play at the next level. I think that Tank Bigsby could have a Heisman year, possibly. Let's get that campaign started for Tank Bigsby. You know, he deserves it. 
And then you have South Carolina beating Georgia State. They actually were off to a slow start, but Georgia State was able to get a couple of touchdowns. And then Texas beats Louisiana Monroe 52-10. to And the Texas fans put their foot in their mouth by saying the three words that you never want to say. Otherwise, it could get ugly. They chanted the words, we want Bama. I'm telling you right now, Texas fans, that was a big mistake. You saw what happened to Vanderbilt when they chanted, we want Bama. They lost at home in Nashville, 59 to nothing. I expect the same outcome. Bama beat Utah State, a good Utah State team that won 11 games last year, 55 to nothing. I think this game is going to get ugly. I think that Bama is going to roll Texas even worse. The only one, 55 to nothing, because on that first drive, Bama kicked a field goal. You know, they had to get the kinks out. You know, they weren't a methodical machine going up and down the field, but they still, because they have great players, they were able to score points. They could have scored a lot more points against Utah State. I think they worked things out, and I think they put a message to a Power 5 school that's going to join the SEC in a couple years. Alabama rolls against Texas. It might even be more than 55 nothing. I think it's going to get really ugly quick. You never want to do that. You never want to say we want Bama. Notice how when Georgia won the national championship, they've been humble. They have been humble. They're not saying, oh, we could beat Bama. They they haven't been saying it because they respect Alabama. You have got to respect Alabama and know that when you do beat them, stay humble about it because, remember, this is the revenge tour. They were in a rebuilding year last year. Bama is going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. I just think that Georgia is right there with them. Oh, I love college football. But, you know, I actually love just football itself. We got the NFL this week. Thursday night we have Buffalo and the Rams. I've already said this is going to be the preview of the Super Bowl. Major League Baseball tonight. Well, the Braves actually play really late tonight against the Oakland Athletics. And the Atlanta Braves are going to have a tough West Coast trip. They're going to play the Braves, the Mariners, and the Giants. But right now, they are one game behind the New York Mets. And I know when college football starts, we start forgetting about the Braves. But the Braves might be just as good as that team that won the World Series last year. Their pitching looks incredible. Max Freed, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider. You could even put in Bryce Elder. He actually won the game, and they swept the Marlins over the weekend. The Atlanta Braves are looking good. Hey, I want to say a big shout-out to Columbus's own Josh Lester. If you don't know who Josh Lester is, he was a member of the 2006 Little League World Series championship team that won that game in Japan. Josh Lester was their best hitter. He got the final out. And at 28 years old, he spent the last seven years in the minor leagues with the Toledo Mudhens, was his latest minor league team. Well, he got the call, and he made his major league debut against the Anaheim Angels. He plays for the Detroit Tigers, and I'm rooting for this guy. Went to Columbus High. I mean, you got great baseball players who went to Columbus High. Josh Lester is now in an elite group of Columbus residents who have played in the major leagues. We could count the Chattahoochee Valley, like Tim Hudson, Frank Thomas, and and now Josh Lester. And I'm, I'm happy for him, and I hope he does well in the big leagues. And uh, good luck to him. 
All right, I do want to talk a little bit about some high school football. Just a reminder, don't forget that this Friday night I will have my high school football preview review show, and I will preview week three, and I will talk about week four, and there is no question that the high school game of the week is Central at Opelika. Both teams are 3-0. Both teams are in the top 10 in the state of Alabama, according to the Alabama Writers Association, and I think that's going to be a great game. No matter how dominant Central's been, Opelika has not skipped a beat, going from 6A to 7A. And now I'm going to reveal my new rankings for East Alabama and West Georgia for Week 3. Number 1, the Central Red Devils. A dominating win over Enterprise 27-7. They look great. Auburn is number 2. Auburn getting a win over Dothan. Brian Harson's son is at quarterback. He looks pretty good. Number 3, Opelika getting a road victory over Robert E. Lee. Really, the top three teams in East Alabama are all in 7A Region 2, and uh, they're going to cannibalize each other. I think that these three teams are very talented. Number four, Lee Scott Academy, 2-0 after beating Monroe Academy, and very convincingly, they've had two convincing wins, and so that's why I got them number four. They got a lot of players returning on that team as well. Number five, I got the Hanley Tigers, also 3-0. Number six, I got the Lynette Panthers, 2-1 and one after beating Horseshoe Bend. They're the team that is ranked highest with the lone loss. New to the ranking for East Alabama is Beauregard. The Beauregard Hornets are 3-0 and on the season after beating Valley at Ram Stadium. And Beauregard has a big game this week against Tallahassee. So Beauregard is starting to look like a team to consider that could do well this season. Number eight, I got Lochapoca at 3-0. Number nine, Ufala at 2-0. and And number 10, I got Russell County. They drop all the way down to number 10 after losing to Stanhope Elmore. Still a very talented team, but there are some talented teams at 1-2 and two that I could have put in these rankings. But if they win next week, i probably put them back in their rankings. They're on the outside looking in. Valley is 1-2. and two. Chambers Academy 1-2. and two. Glenwood is 1 and 2 and Smith Station 1 and 2. I had the privilege to call the Smith Station game Friday night where they upset Prattville 30 to 21. I even said on the broadcast this was an upset. It absolutely was an upset. It was the first time Smith Station beat Prattville in what an interview coach Glisson had and I love it. I love just the emotion from coach Glisson and the players and all the support from the coaches, the coaching staff, the players, the alumni. And I've got compliments from Smith Station alumni saying great broadcast. And I even had some Prattville fans say that that Corey and I had a great broadcast. And uh, we'll talk about that game on Friday's show because it really was an emotional game. And I was really happy for the Smith Station Panthers for getting a huge victory. And it was an upset. I called an upset on the TV broadcast. Now I'm going to talk about my rankings for West Georgia after week three. And there is a new number one team that I am picking in my rankings. It's the Troop County Tigers. Why do they leapfrog Carver? Well, they beat Callaway. Callaway is a team that competes for the state championship just about every year. Troop County is 3-0 on the season. Teo Todd is only going to lead the Troop County Tigers as far as they can go. They will have a bye, and they will host Whitewater at Callaway Stadium in two weeks. Troop County looks incredible. So they're my new number one. 
Carver's 2-0. They had a bye. You got LaGrange 2-0. They had a bye. So we didn't have an opportunity to see these teams. So I didn't really move them up. The only team I moved up was Troop County because they're fresh off that win over Callaway. And that was a big win. I mean, well-deserving to move up in my rankings. Number four, you have St. Ampicelli. They got a big win at Dymel Field. They're 2-1. Brookstone is... Two and one after getting a huge victory over First Presbyterian Day, so I moved them up in the rankings. Shalai County is one and one. They fall in the rankings after losing to Early County. Now Callaway, Callaway is zero and three. I still have them in my rankings at number seven. If you look at who Callaway has lost to, Opelika, Cedartown, and Troop County, all three teams are going to be competing for a state playoff berth. So I got them still in my rankings. Number eight, I got the Northside Patriots. Two and one on the season after getting a big win over Hardaway. Shaw falls to number nine as they lose to Harris County. They are also two and one. So Shaw is going to play Northside next week. So that's going to be great. And then number 10, I got Heard County. So that is my rankings for high school football after week three. I just love high school football. I love calling it. I love being around just the fans, the players, the coaches. It's just a great time. And I hope that you enjoy my rankings, because I sure do. All right, so we witnessed history over the weekend. It's something that we really don't talk about that much, but Serena Williams, 23 Grand Slam titles. She played her final U.S. Open in her career. And all I got to say is just enjoy this moment. Enjoy seeing the GOATs. You got Tom Brady playing at age 45. You got Serena Williams that played her final U.S. Open. I mean, Tiger Woods is still playing. Say what you want about LeBron, but he's still playing too. I mean, this is just a great time to be a sports fan. And I really appreciate and embrace sports during this time. Speaking of which, I did see episode five of the Lakers documentary. And it gets into, not trying to spoil it for anybody that wants to see it, but you pretty much know the cliffhanger after episode four, Magic Johnson announced to the world that he was HIV positive. The Showtime Lakers dynasty was over. They have a new young team with Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Cedric Sabalos called The Lake Show. And even though that was great, it wasn't selling tickets and they weren't competing for a championship. So the Lakers ended up scouting Kobe Bryant. It was like a secret workout. And even though Kobe fell in the draft, the Lakers knew that's who they wanted. And then they actually moved some cap space, trading away Vladi Divac to get Shaquille O'Neal, who I was a big Shaq fan. I loved the Magic as a kid. I thought that the Magic were going to re-sign him. And then the Lakers pulled off a huge free agent acquisition, getting Shaq and Kobe. And then if you look at Shaq and Kobe, they did not win a championship until Phil Jackson got there in 1999. It did not work out. They got swept by the eventual champion Spurs in 99. They got swept by the Utah Jazz in 98 that went to the NBA Finals. So it took time. It took three years. So for all these people that think that championships could just happen overnight, these take time. So if you're a Hawks fan, just be patient. Be patient with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young because I think that we could see Trey Young holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy and having a parade down Peachtree Street. I could see it happening in the next couple of years because they do have a championship pedigree team, although the Eastern Conference got a little bit better with the Cleveland Cavaliers getting Donovan Mitchell. I got to tell you, I love this show. 
I love talking sports. As we get closer to the NFL and I make my football picks on Thursday, because I'm going to make my picks on Thursday because Friday show is the high school sports show. And I talk about fantasy football as well. I had my fantasy draft over the weekend as well. I'm pretty happy with my team with the first pick. Of course, no surprise, I took Debo Samuel. I mean, you got a wide receiver and a running back. Why not? He's going to get me a lot of fantasy points on the ground and in the air. It just depends on what fantasy league you're in because, you know, he's going to have a lot of receptions. Sometimes you get like a point for each reception. But it's going to be an interesting season. You know, I just, I love playing fantasy football. It just really keeps the NFL games compelling, even when it's a blowout. I would actually sit in front of the TV and watch a game that was a blowout, but my fantasy quarterback was playing, and all I really wanted him to do was continue to pass the ball. I love it. Well, that is all the time I have on the show today. I do want to thank all my listeners who downloaded and subscribed to my podcast. Don't forget, you can also follow me on social media. I'm at Twitter. Sports Richard H is my Twitter handle. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just type in the Sports Beat with Richard Holders. And I'm also on Instagram. That's another way to follow me. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you later. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.